It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Stacey Farquharson. Happy Monday. So glad to be back. We took off last week, but we're so glad to be back with you today. This is the 49th episode of the second season of the Stacey and Stacey podcast. And we are focusing each morning on scripture and tradition. And today, Stacey will be teaching us from the catechism about sacred scripture. And, you know, I look so forward to that segment of the podcast every morning, because whether you're a cradle Catholic or a convert or someone who might be considering the Catholic church, we all need to read and understand the catechism. And we can all read it, of course, but I love the way you explain it to us, Stacey. I love the way you help us understand it clearly. I love the catechism too. And it tells us the part we're reading now, it tells us to read scripture. <laughs> it's telling us yeah. to, um, <laughs> how to appreciate the Bible as a Catholic. And we're finishing up actually that section today. Uh, those are, it's one number 131 through 133. And then we'll go over the review at the end of that section. And then that what comes next tomorrow is getting into what does it mean to even believe in God and to believe in Christ. Mm. We'll get into that, be a little less focused on De Verbum and Scripture, but we've completed all of that. So in in doing what the Catechism tells us to do, um, let's turn it back over to you for our script, for our prayer in this first Monday of Advent and Scripture reflection for the readings for today. Over to you, Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Lord. We need you. We need you this morning. We need you this day. We praise you. We love you. We glorify your name. And we thank you, Lord, for your very presence in our lives. We thank you that you never leave us, but that you're always with us, working things out, working behind the scenes, sometimes in ways that we don't even know. But we thank you, Lord. We ask that you teach us your ways that we may walk in your paths. Give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you. Mother Mary, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. So today, as always, grab your cup of tea, get a cup of coffee, whichever you like, and your Bible, and spend some time with the Lord today. So today we are... um, we are looking at the responsorial psalm. It's Psalm 122. And I'm just going to read this. It's only nine verses. So I'm going to read the whole psalm to us. Uh, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firm together. To it, the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed in Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord, for there the thrones for judgment were set up, the thrones of the house of David. 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. All right. So as we said before, David didn't write all the Psalms, but this one is attributed to him. And this Psalm is talking about going to the house of the Lord. And a couple of things that caught my attention when not only reading this psalm, but also reading some commentary, most everyone would travel to Jerusalem at least three times a year because there were three annual Jewish festivals or feasts. Now, there were actually seven, but each year there were three pilgrimage feasts where they were required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate. The first one was Passover. And that's a celebration, um, the Old Testament Exodus, where God delivered the Israelites from slavery and led them out of Egypt. And they would offer the, the sacrifice and enjoy a Seder meal. I mean, we could talk about their deliverance from slavery, how death actually passed over their homes when they put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts. We could talk about the Exodus, the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the wandering in the desert for 40 years as they journeyed to the promised land. I mean, we could talk about these things for days and weeks on end. There's so much in the Old Testament and the first five books of the Bible. I love it. But in the New Testament, it also reminds us in 1 Corinthians that Christ, our Paschal Lamb, has been sacrificed. And we know that Christ died once for all. The second feast was the feast uh, was Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, and it was a festival thanking God for the first fruits of the wheat harvest. It's also a celebration of the gift of the law that Moses gave them. The word Pentecost means 50th day. So 50 days after Easter Sunday, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit who came upon the apostles and their followers in the upper room. And this is a you can read about that in the book of Acts. But this began their earthly ministry. Hmm. The third feast was the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was um, an agricultural harvest festival that lasted a week. And they would come and they would build temporary shelters or booths as they remember the 40 years in the wilderness and God's provision and protection during that time. And in the New Testament, it talks about how Jesus attended the Feast of Tabernacles. Um, it says he he said to them uh, on the last day of the festival, Jesus said, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and let the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Um, twice he spoke to them during the Feast of Tabernacles. The second time he told them that he was the light of the world and whoever follows him would never walk in darkness but would have the light of life. So there's much we could study and discuss when it comes to the feasts in light of the New Testament we could compare. Mm -hmm. But as far as our daily reading today, um, they were glad to go. They were glad to go up to Jerusalem. They were excited to get together with their friends and see people mm -hmm. they hadn't seen. It was a, it was a time to gather together, um, kind of what we would call today taking a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> they would go to the big city of Jerusalem the city on the hill. It goes on to say that Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to it, to Jerusalem, the tribes go up. And for some reason, when I read that in my mind, I was thinking, oh my goodness, they have to travel up. They have to like climb up this mountain to go to Jerusalem. But 
you know, it's kind of like we say, we're, we're going up north. It's not really a mountain. It was more like a hill. I mean, I looked it up. It's only 20, 2,500 feet above sea levels. <laughs> it wasn't a mountain. But it does say that several times in scripture, it talks about going up to Jerusalem. Mm. I, I remember, I think I've said this before, but I remember <laughs> going to Oklahoma to uh, Beaver's Bend and, and yeah. seeing the hills, but they look like mountains to me as a little girl. Right. Not until I went to Cali I mean to Colorado did I know what a mountain was. <laughs> but anyway, the Bible talks about going up to Jerusalem. Even in the book of John in the New Testament, um, it says there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, it describes this as in days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So why go to the house of the Lord? that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths because instruction and the word of the Lord comes from Jerusalem. Why do we go today to the yeah. house of the Lord that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths that we might receive instruction and the word of the Lord. They were so devoted and hungry to hear from God that they would make this journey three times a year. They had to plan for that journey. We're hungry too. Lord, teach us your ways that we may walk in your paths. What a great prayer to pray. We actually prayed it this morning when we prayed together. And that is why we read the daily readings. That's why we read scriptures. That's why we go to mass, join Bible studies. That's why we listen as Stacy goes through the catechism. We listen to Catholic radio, to podcasts. We read books about the church study, we pray, we go to adoration, anything and everything we can do to prepare our hearts to receive from God. Because we're not to be conformed to this world. We're be, we're, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, Jerusalem is called the faithful city or the city of truth. But Jerusalem actually means city of peace, shalom, Salem, peace, completeness, wholeness. In actuality, Jerusalem has had many attacks. <laughs> it's seen much destruction, so not as much peace as its name would declare. And perhaps this is why we are asked to pray for the peace of the city of peace. The psalm finishes with, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For the sake of my relatives and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. So when I read that, I was reminded of 1 Timothy where it says, First of all, 
I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable, peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. So when I think about these two put together, perhaps as we consider the reading for today and this scripture found in Timothy, his instruction to us, if we feel moved to do so, perhaps we have a prayer assignment. Mm-hmm. If we do, if we feel like we, we have a prayer assignment, Mm-hmm. And we begin to pray for the peace of Jerusalem for each other. We can begin to pray for all those in authority, praying for our priests and pray for them yeah. by name that God would continue to strengthen them and give them his peace and his wisdom. Pray for our Pope, pray for our bishops. Yes. All our leaders need our prayers. It's the one thing that we can do and we don't have to leave our home to do it. It doesn't cost us anything to do it. However, the ROI, the return on investment <laughs> is so much because what does it give us? Did you hear that? So that mm-hmm, I so heard it. That. <laughs> Did you? We may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. So peace be with you. Peace. That's so that's so um on my mind lately too, because we're finishing up our semester in my return to college, you know, um, with the, the philosophy program. And that's one of the things that Aristotle was teasing out as he was thinking about, he, he said, everything that humans do is towards a goal. Like we, we make all our choices because we're, we're going in a direction, we're aiming at something. And he said the something we aim at is the good. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into a long explanation in his ethics, Nicomachean ethics. I had to learn how to say that. Um, <laughs> what the good is in Aristotle, you know, this is like 340 years before Christ came. Aristotle is concluding there must be one God. And of course, he still believed in pantheism and an eternally cycling cosmos. So he he didn't have divine revelation yet. But he, he concludes in, in several ways, like his five ways, there's, there must be one God. And he concludes that the good that we aim at in all our life is happiness and happiness is, um, is God. Happiness is God. And of course, St. Thomas Aquinas, 1600 years later, took what Aristotle wrote and brought it into the Christian teaching in the light of faith and divine revelation and and St. Thomas Aquinas was saying, it, it's not just happiness, it's beatitude. We, mm. that, that is our goal in life and that everything we do should be oriented towards Christ. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the peace. And I've been thinking a lot about that because uh, like we talk about all the time, Stacy, with all these kids in a large family and the kids growing up and having their own families, there's, it's hard to find peace. Just, yeah. you know, we sit down. I sit down to play solitaire on my phone or yeah. <laughs> you were, you play games on your phone. You were I saying did. sometimes that that's like my bubble. I need to sit down and just do something. We call it vegging. Just vegging veg for a moment. Stacey, yeah. when we went to, uh, when we went to Maine and we did that mm-hmm. Advent by Candlelight, there was um, something that we said that we were talking about Mary, our mother. Yeah. We Merry said that Christmas. Mary is the mother 
of the Prince of Peace. Mm -hmm. And that just really has stuck with me. And I think about that. And when I asked Mother Mary to pray for me, I'm, I'm asking her to pray for me that she go to the Prince of Peace and pray for me. And I, I'm believing that it's going to bring me peace. I, that I just, when you were saying that, I'm like, well, that's what I've been thinking. That's what that's I've been what pondering. It's been on our hearts. <laughs> yes. yes. Peace. Yeah. Because yeah, because I'm prone to anxiety anyway. And I, I've really, I've been thinking about that too, in the context of what I'm having to write about for my class. Like, do I really think about everything I'm doing being towards ultimate beatitude? Am I, mm-hmm. am I, I, I think I do, but sometimes I I probably don't. And mm-hmm. um, I get, I'm always trying to battle letting God be in control versus me being in control. But, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. That's a battle very we beautiful all fight. <laughs> that, duct tape, that duct tape is always sitting on my counter and I'm always eyeballing it. Like I'll get these kids to heaven with duct tape. <laughs> duct tape their <laughs> bobos to the couch and they'll never it. be able to go sin. But uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's a good, and that's a really good thing on this first day. This is the first day of Advent. And um, I've been thinking how I'm going to make Advent more special and peaceful for my family this year. I think I'm going to, like my kids are too old for Advent calendars. And besides one of them lives on the West Coast in Seattle and another one lives in on the East Coast yeah. in Connecticut. And the other ones are here in Texas, but they're all scattered about as well. Um, Well, four of them are living under the roof right now. But um, anyway, I was thinking I was going to use my text message on my phone to send group texts out to all my kids every day with a scripture from the reading for the day um, just to tell them about Advent. All right. Well, let's turn to the catechism today. We are on page 37. There's a link below in the show notes that will take you right to the page. And we are on the section um, 131. So the, it's the end of this chapter on sacred scripture in the life of the church. And it's actually the end of the whole chapter, article three, the whole article on sacred scripture. So this is the last um, part about sacred scripture. This kind of wraps up, although there are other references to De Verbum, this wraps up the intense focus from that encyclical. And in wrapping it up today, before I go over the very last part, sacred scripture in the life of the church, I want to encourage you to read Stacy Farquharson's favorite encyclical. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> no, but it's it is one of the documents of Vatican II. And why is that important? I think it's very important for Catholics today to understand what the documents of Vatican II actually said and were about. Don't read what people think about the Vatican II documents. Go read them for yourself. Yeah. Um, this was written by Pope Paul VI promulgated in uh, November 18th of night. So it just came up on a, on a, on an anniversary, November 18th, 1965 before I was born. That was before my time. But, um, it's it's mm-hmm. inserting to Catholics, the huge significance of sacred scripture of the Bible and how we are to read the Bible. And we've pretty much gone through the whole encyclical by going through this first part of the catechism. 
So let's wrap it up what it says. So the in section 131, sacred scripture in the life of the church. And such is the force and power of the word of God that it can serve the church as her support and vigor and the children of the church as strength for their faith, food for the soul, and a pure and lasting font of spiritual life. Hence, access to sacred scripture ought to be open wide to the Christian faithful. I remember as a new Catholic reading the word font in Wellspring, and I didn't know Bent. Like, where's this font? I want to go to it. I want I want to get me some of that, um, you know, water coming from the font. A, a font is like a fountain. It's a fountain and it has this yeah. never ending showering of water. But what they're comparing it here to is um, the source of scripture. Like it's food for the soul. It's strength for our faith. And if we turn to it daily, it is like drinking from that fountain of life and faith. So, you know, we, we read the scriptures every morning. Stacy does a reflection on them because she's studying sacred scripture over at the University of Dallas. Um, take time to read it because like we've been reading through this whole section, it's alive and it will, it's God speaking to you. So I'll, you're going to like the last two parts here, Stacy. 132. <laughs> Therefore, the study of the sacred page should be the very soul of sacred theology. So that that scripture and tradition, theology is studying what, what God is telling us. Well, you got to read scripture to know that. The ministry of the word too, pastoral preaching, catechetics, that's teaching the faith, and all forms of Christian instruction, among which the liturgical homily should hold place, pride of place. That means the, the priest's homily during mass is one of the most important um, places for teaching the faith. It's all healthily nourished and thrives in holiness through the word of scripture. Last part, the church forcefully and specifically exhorts. So those are strong words. All the Christian faithful yeah. to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of divine scriptures. And it ends with this, Stacy. I was thinking of you. <laughs> ignorance of the scriptures yeah. is ignorance of Christ. <laughs> And that's where it ends. I love it. That's so yeah. It, it, yeah. It's that's like, St. Jerome. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yes. Is it really St. Jerome? Yes. Commentariorium. Uh, I can't pronounce it. In, it's in Latin, but yes, St. Jerome. <laughs> so that's a, that is a good way to wrap it up. And then what follows in sections 134 over to the next page through 141 is a review. So these reviews, I'm not going to go through everything that's in the review, but they're useful um, when you're reading the catechism just to kind of go back over. Oh, it's a review. It's it's like at the end of any textbook chapter, there's a review. But it it's reminding us sacred scripture is one book. We read the old in light of the new and the new in light of the old. It contains the word of God mm -hmm. inspired by the men. God inspired the word. So they are the word of God. They are inspired. Um, they are truly the word of God. God is the author inspired by uh, in human authors. He acts in them and by means of them. So we can be assured that their writings teach the faith without error. Mm -hmm. Interpretation of inspired scripture must be attentive ab above all to what God wants to reveal through the sacred author. So there is a lot of study done, as Stacy knows very well. And you can't just 
mm-hmm. take the scripture and make it mean whatever you want it to mean. You've got to right. you got to try to understand. Literally, I think of understanding meaning stand under and look up yeah. and try to to grasp that knowledge that is above you. Try try to raise yourself up to it. So try to understand the scripture. Don't take control of it and make it mean what you want it to mean. Listen to what God's telling you there and read the Bible with the church. And if you're reading the scripture every morning with us, um, you're reading with the church. You're reading what the whole church is reading in the Bible that day. So that Mm -hmm. is the end of sacred scripture. Um, The next part that we're going to get into later is on uh, man's response to God the obedience of faith and what it means to have faith, what it means to believe, which I think is really going to be a beautiful thing to review during Advent. Yes. So, yes, yes. um, so that's, that is, we we're wrapping that up, but we won't be so much in day verbum anymore, but uh, we'll be getting into other aspects. A lot of this, the catechisms, we were talking about it last week or the week before the catechism was written and published in the early nineties. And so it is itself a good review of everything from Vatican II. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's going to be consistent. It's a great place to go. If you want to know what the Catholic church teaches, I call it the book of answers. Yes. Um, it's, yeah. I love, I love it. And I love being able to see where things came from because today we saw there's a, there's a quote from St. Jerome even. So that is getting us off the ground to a beginning of Advent. What are y'all doing? Are y'all doing anything during Advent, Stacey? Um, well, we ha- we have had a very busy week, so we have not even sat down and planned anything. Pat went uh, hunting all weekend, so I haven't even really got to sit down and, <laughs> and plan anything out yet. So yeah, that's on the agenda to do. <laughs> I'm I'm going to try to make it special for my kids. That's my challenge to myself this Advent to make it a time of reflection for my kids as much as I can, just to let them give them scripture every day. And I love and that. I love the that ones idea. that are in the house. I'm going to tell them if you read that text I sent you, come see me and I'll give you a piece of candy. <laughs> so <laughs> I just got to make sure I don't eat it. Um, there you go. But in uh, our preacher, so this is something, Stacy. You may not know. I didn't know this either. But so it's not like you're in trouble if you're not doing this. (laughs) You're probably thinking, oh, no, what's she going to say? But our our pastor said it yesterday in mass. And I was I was glad that he gave us the clarity. Technically, this is not Christmas season. So the rest of America is out buying Christmas presents, putting up Christmas decorations, having Christmas parties. They do that starting with Thanksgiving. That's when everybody starts all the Christmas parties and Christmas decorations. You're it's technically not Christmas yet. It's, it's Advent. This is Advent. Um, in my Mustang, I changed all of my colors to purple because it's Advent, not red. Um, (laughs) So in Advent, you're not supposed to celebrate Christmas yet. So I use that as my excuse. So I'm I'm a little lazy here. We don't put the tree up till Christmas Eve. And then oh, um wow. and then you leave it up until I think it's January 7th, the 12 days of Christmas. You you leave it, I leave it up until then, and then we take it back down. So we don't put any Christmas decorations up and um uh, I notice at our parish, any parties are called um, Advent parties. They're not Christmas parties yet. So it's technically not Christmas yet. And Christmas is also not one day. It's 
12 days. And um, so that's the reason my house isn't decorated. <laughs> I, I, just, oh, well, I don't do it. Until I took advantage. I have to tell you, I took advantage of my kids being here uh, this weekend for Thanksgiving and they, they put the tree up for me. So that was a blessing yeah. for me. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Yes. We have to um, figure out how to do a tree with a two-year-old in the house. So back to Back to those days from the past when oh, we had fun, a lot of little kids fun, in the fun. house and our tree was um, a mess. I used to let the kids when they were little, like one, two, four, five little bitty kids. I told Jose, we're not even going to put ornaments on the tree because they'll just break them all <laughs> on the bottom anyway. <laughs> yeah. So so we put the tree up and I told the kids, here's some construction paper, scissors, glue, glitter, stickers, whatever. I, I got a bunch of stuff and I set up a table and I said, y'all make the Christmas ornaments every day. This little craft table is going to be set up and you can make Christmas ornaments every day. And it was the funniest thing because our tree looked like a trash can by the end <laughs> of the season because the kids would just start, oh. they'd go over there, scribble something on one piece of printer paper, wad it up and stuff it in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a competition <laughs> to see who could do that the most. So like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> oh my goodness. I took a picture of the tree. It, it seriously looks like somebody threw trash onto it. <laughs> but oh, uh, that's no great ornaments memory. were broken that year. <laughs> oh goodness. Well, we're oh, off to gosh. a new week. I hope y'all have a, a good Monday. We'll see you tomorrow. God yes. bless you. Yes. I'm Stacy Trisenko. Stacy Parkwison. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> if you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see Stacy and Stacy.site for more information. <laughs>